Here to discuss all things NRL, AFL, and anything sports related. Please give a warm Aussie g'day to the footy fanatic and America's own Corey Jackson in Outside the Sheds. Greetings, salutations, and welcome to April. Welcome to round four. Welcome to Outside the Sheds. Yes, we are back together. The band, you, myself, the leagues, the team, the field, the buzz. Spring is in the air. Let's go. Wait a second. Spring in the States is in the air. Fall and winter's in the air down under. So I, I shouldn't get that excited because I know some of us are coming into birth. Some of us are going into a little bit of the dead period. But you know what? What brings us all together is the great games that we talk about. And that's what we're going to do today. You understand why my excitement might be through the roof right now. I'm gonna let you I'm gonna give you three guesses, but I don't have time to listen to any of them. Because the answer is your shed Adamas went five for eight first picks this week. That's right, I am back in the good. And I know you stayed with me the last couple of weeks of my how should I say mundane evenness. My my 50% wins, 50% loss ratio, done. Not happening anymore. I'm feeling the groove. I needed to warm up. Like Mitchell Pierce needed his pecs to warm up before this. Ah, that was too soon. That was too soon. That was way too soon. I, 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 almost, feel, I almost feel bad about that. And I really do feel bad about that because I, I, I will talk about this a little bit later on in the show. I... My God, there are some really great people in the Newcastle area. I, I will tell you, the Hunter, uh, the time I was up there on a trip uh, with, what, well, my, the first interview on Outside the Sheds, Dom Gonzalez and his lovely wife, Sonia, and their beautiful children, Tuscany and Savio, and the entire fam were up there, the Gov, the Queen. It was incredible. Thank you, Sonia, because I would not know anything about the Betty Crocker pizza maker if it wasn't for you. But besides that, I got to spend my first time in Newcastle. And, and besides us getting lost the first time we went into town, it was a really beautiful place. Got to go to the beach, blah, blah, blah. I don't know if it was the same beach that the Johns brothers surfed on, but it was a great beach. But what I'm saying is they're very, very passionate people up there in Newcastle. And I will never make fun of the, the pain that that, that that fan base has been going through. They had some incredible times uh, with the Johns brothers, maybe not Maddie as much. I'm sorry about that. Did I say that? Uh, but with Andrew Johns and Maddie and, and the rest of the club that, that that produced some incredible moments for for that fan base up there, and it's just been it's been tough, you know. Since I've been really into the you know delved into this game, Newcastle is not what I would consider a powerhouse uh, or or a team that you really had too much to worry about. Uh, and I will be honest when I say that you kind of look for Newcastle on the schedule because that was going to be a victory. And that's kind of changed, um, but this this last weekend and and how everything's kind of started, not good. And like I said, we'll go into that a little bit, a little bit later down the track. But let's start off with these matches that we had this week, and 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 I can't say that there was many incredible matches at all. Uh, if you look at the score lines in most of them, really, truthfully, they were pretty boring. Uh, we started off with Thursday night. My gosh. Wow, the Sea Eagles. 
Desi's back, back again. Where's the magic? And I'm not going to go off of my, my ladder, my soapbox by saying that Des Hadler's, Hasler's not an incredible coach. I just don't think in today's day and age of rugby league that you can try to run a Studebaker up against Ferraris. And right now, no matter how much I hate to say it, because any player that's made it this far up, they are in the competition and are in the NRL, you know they're an elite player. But there's a difference between an elite player and then just game-changing dynamics. And right now, Manly doesn't have it. I, I You know, I'm a big fan of DCE, Kieran Foran, Cade Cuss. I'm telling you, they've got some great... I don't know where George Tafu is at. Anybody know where George Tafu is at? But, but what I'm saying is, I, it's good to see Kieran Foran in a good place in his life off the field. But he's not the same player that was at Manly on his original tenure there. Um... You know, there's just not that, you know, a lot of times you'll watch the match and Kieran Foran, I, I, I don't even know he's out there. Um, the attacking of the line is not there. The running of the ball really isn't there much. And I think he is carrying an, some type of a leg injury that they're not going to tell you about if you look at the strapping on it. But still, you know, DCE is not really played up to what we're used to seeing Dale Cherry Evans play as. And I'm saying, don't forget, this is still the captain of the Maroons who had an incredible uh, you know, uh, State of Origin series and actually commandeered his team into to beating the highly favored Blues. Let's not talk about that anymore. But but what I'm saying is I don't know what's going on right there at Manly. I think there's a lot of things going behind the scenes. There's talk now that some of the Maddenly board is telling um, Desi to, to contact Paul Green about riding the ship and that's not going to work. That's, you know, Paul Green wants his own coaching gig. He doesn't want to come in and be a safety blanket for Desi. It just doesn't want him to do it. So, I don't know what's going on. One thing, let's look on the other side of the fence right now. Wow. Penny Panthers. Rocking those Penny those penny Pink jerseys. Those Pepto-Bismol jerseys. Those Penny Pink Panthers. Wow. Ooh, they're dangerous. I, I'm going to tell you something. They're not my... I did not pick them to win the entire competition this year. I picked South Sydney. Um, but I will tell you something that could change in the standpoint that with the Adam, with the Adam Reynolds saga that's going on there and the disharmony that could happen inside the sheds with Adam Reynolds, maybe not getting a two or three year deal like he's looking for and players maybe moving, not moving. Harmony of a team is so, so important in winning championships. And right now, if you look on the field, the two, the, there, there are about four teams that look like the harmony is so strong inside the sheds. Penrith is one. Uh, you know Bellyache is going to have any other way down at, down at the storm. The Parramatta Eels look like they are all on the same page right now. And they look like they're playing together and playing for one another. And then Sticky's boys, the Canberra Raiders. I, 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 we talked a week or two about, ago about this when I said that the elite teams could really pull away from the rest of the pack this year and I think you're seeing that I think there could be four for sure maybe five teams that could be just so far ahead of everybody else that we already know that'll be one of those four that are going to play you know in the semifinals to go to the grand final that being said wow Penrith you look incredible but 46 to nothing over over Manly uh, just 
incredible, incredible play. Then the Rapidos came and again held the Bulldogs uh, off the scoreboard again with a 38-0 thumping. Uh, I guess the biggest thing coming out of the match is, is uh, Cody Walker is suspended for this coming week, which means Benji Marshall is starting in the Habs with Adam Reynolds. Uh, this on tonight, I guess, or this morning. But man, I, I, I just don't know. You know, like, you just can't tell me that, that, that Matt Burton not being in the Habs is the only reason that the Bulldogs are not able to put points on the board. I, I don't know what, what to even say about that. That's... That's a team last year towards the end of the season that was really coming on hard and was really, a lot of people think if there was two more weeks left in the season that the Bulldogs could have snuck into that number eight spot. And what what's happened, they're just hollow inside. And you, you just wonder and you don't want to see clubs that are continually getting thumped like this just losing all belief. Uh, the, the you know North Queensland is another one of those clubs. I, I told you guys already to start the season. I was a big fan of Todd Payton. I thought he was going to do some incredible things up in North Queensland. And you can't write the guy off. I'm saying we're only four weeks into the season. But wow, there's some real problems up in North Queensland. <laughs> well, there was, but maybe that you know you have a perfect team on your on your roster maybe to get yourselves right this week. You play the Tigers this week, so who knows what happens there? But a lot of questions. A lot of questions coming out of the Bulldogs camp. Then we had, well, here's one of the games your Shedadamas got wrong. Uh, the Storm. I thought that the Broncos were going to sneak in under the cover of the night. That, that since they had to live, leave Brisby and they were going to get to train by themselves and get that pack mentality together. I thought they were going to go down there and shock the Storm. Well, yeah. Anyway, let's not talk about that because the Prappenhausen freight train was running. <coughs> Strong. That was the worst horn I've ever heard in my entire life, and I just created it. But 40 to 6. I think some real questions are coming out of Brisbane. There are rumblings now that that, that there could be a moving in halves, and that that Kevy might be looking at some some halves openings, uh, some free agents, some people to maybe bring in. Because right now, uh, I think the weight is going to just get stronger and stronger and stronger week after week on Anthony Milford's back. And I think that that is going to cause problems down the line. I think, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if we don't see uh, a Dearden uh, and, and 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 just totally removing Anthony Milford out of the house for one or two weeks and maybe letting, letting um, uh, Brody play, play in there. But I, I don't know. I just know that there are some problems. And I, and I say this over and over again. Your team can only be as strong as your spine. And... Most definitely your halves combinations and your halves pairings have to be elite or close to elite if you're really going to compete nowadays. With the speed of the game, you have to have that. So Anthony Milford, um, you know, I don't I don't know. I just, let me ask you, Shedheads, have you seen enough to believe that Anthony Milford is going to be able to ride his ship and be the player that is, is costing Brisbane about a million dollars a season right now? I don't see it. He hasn't shown it. And I just sometimes don't know if his mind is there or if his head's there. Um, but we're going to find out soon enough. But a thumping there. Uh, the Sharkies, once again, like I said, handing it to uh, Todd Payton's Cowboys, 48-10. to 10. The Raiders and Titans, I got this one wrong. I, you know, it was a battle. 
It was a battle for the first half. It was a battle. It was an a war of attrition that these guys were going to go toe-to-toe. It was going to be who's going to be able to take the last punch and still stand. And the Raiders did it. Uh, you know, I know that the Titans are are the team on the come. They're, they're, they're really, I would say, ascending, by no means descending. But Ricky's boys are special. They're one of those teams, like I just talked about, that they've got a, a very strong shed. They've got a very strong core. Um, Jack Whiten's getting better week in and week out. And I, I you know... I just thought the Titans were going to come in on a little bit of emotion, but the Raiders win that one 20 to four. One of the mat, one of the upsets I picked: the Dragons going up to Newcastle and beating the Knights 22 to 13. I was really impressed by this game. It was a hard hitting game, but it was tough to watch. Shedheads, that was such a tough game to watch because I really didn't have a dog in the fight. I would say probably of the two squads that I would say that I probably like Newcastle over over St. George. But, you know, I'm a I'm a big I'm a big Corey fan and 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 Simsy fan and so I just got to sit back and watch some good football. But the one thing that really just gutted me was just seeing the injuries. You know, I don't I feel so bad for Adam O'Brien because I think Adam O'Brien's a really good coach. You're asking him to try to run the, you know, to, to to ride in the Tour de France on a scooter. You just you just can't do that. And every week he just feels like his team is getting closer to coming back healthy, and more guys go down. And we're gonna go over this. We're gonna go over. We're gonna go over this um, this breakdown of what is happening there because it's really kind of scary. Um, and I, I I just don't know. I. Man, I just don't know. And Newcastle, Newcastle fans, hang in there, hang in there. I don't know if it's going to be this season. I'm, I'm unfortunately, I think it won't be. But uh, I, I do think that if you guys get healthy, you can be a very, very strong club. It's just not going to be this season. Then one of the matches that I did not get right, the Roosters with Sam Walker running out on the field, came over the top of the Warriors, 32 to 12. Now. If you followed rugby probably the last or, or, or league the last probably six, seven years, this is something that you expect, right? The Warriors show an incredible performance, and everyone says that they're on they're coming now. You know, they got it correct. They've got the right pairings, they've got the right belief. They're about ready to fire out, they're ready to go forward, and then they lose a game that you're like, Ugh. meaning that you just you just don't know what to make of it. And so they were gonna play a depleted. Roosters Club, a club starting an 18-year-old in the halves, even though he's supposed to be, you know, the second coming. And I don't want to say that they they laid an egg, but the Roosters went over the top at him over them in the end. I'm saying the the Roosters look like the elite club that was on the field that day. And even with the injuries there, and the the 90-year-old Morris brothers still running around. Uh, the Roosters once again showed that they're cream. And then the Easter Monday clash. Tigers, Eels. Dom's entire family in, the, in this crowd. I, I, I don't know. I, it, it's it's kind of painful in some ways. We won't go into detail about that. Dom knows what we're talking about. 
But again, those Parramatta Eels. And Arthur just, he dominates Madge. I think this is eight in a row he's beaten Madge. But the Eels win 36-22 over the Tigers. And, you know, I know everyone was, I wasn't, but I know some people were trying to say that that was the Tigers' turnaround match against Newcastle. And I don't feel that way whatsoever. I feel if Newcastle had a little bit more time on the clock towards the end of the game, that Newcastle catches the Tigers and go over the top of them in the end. I think Newcastle more ran out of time than the Tigers won that match, even though they played some of their best footy of the year. And I'm still going to say this. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stay this till I'm blue in the face or until this mic gets turned off. I think there's just wrong components for this Tigers team to do anything special. I do not think Adam Dewey is a 5 eighth. I think Adam Dewey would be best in, in the center's position. I don't think that Luke Brooks is my half. I think uh, the best move for Luke Brooks would probably be for Luke Brooks to get a new start. I think a lot of the pressure would be off of him. But I think if he did a move and got with Todd Payton up at North Queensland, um, I think that would be perfect. I said this along. I said this before the, the news story even broke. I think if the Tigers could bring Jackson Hastings over from Wigan and put him in the halves, and then go out and look in the in the in the in the market in this offseason for a, a, a five eighth to run next to Jackson Hastings, that's what I would do. And I know that Billy Walters has got one more year, but to me, Billy Walters is not your answer there. But and I don't think Madge is the coach to bring us to the future. I don't think I don't think Michael McGuire is the coach that fits in today's footy. I just don't. I don't think, you know, when I say this, this is nothing against Madge McGuire, but I think Madge McGuire, the the way that he played with the team last year and them, them missing the playoffs by one spot again would have all been taken care of if he wouldn't have messed with his spine, if he wouldn't have benched Benji, if he wouldn't have had guys going, what the heck is going on? And I think it's tough to, to change that. I think it's tough to change the opinion. And I know he's brought some players in that he was hoping that we're going to do a few things and change the chemistry of the club. There's some good young players. I'm saying in in the in the in the cup before that, you know, the young the young Magpies beat the Eels. So, there's guys in the pipeline. It's just, you know, you just look around the the, the league and you see so many players that have left the Tigers that are doing just incredible things for other clubs. I'm saying they had Pappenhausen and I'm not going to go over all this again. We talked about this before, but but again, uh, and and this is a big match coming up. This is a huge match for the Tigers going up against the Cowboys at Leichhardt this weekend. Uh, they better win that. They better win this match because I know Peyton is saying that we can win this match. This is the match we can circle that hopefully ride our ship a little bit. Uh, but that's going to be a huge, huge match. Now. That being said, like I said, we went five for eight this week, so that was that was good. That was a lot better than we've been, um, and we're going to get even better this weekend. But let's go over what I was telling you about with the Newcastle Knights. Let's go over this really quick. And this weekend alone, Mitchell Pierce, pec injury. They're thinking it's a 10 to 12-week injury, which means we won't see Mitchell Pierce at least, at least until round 14. Let's be honest, 
Knights fans, Shedheads, the season will be over by that point for Newcastle. And I would be surprised if they rush Mitchell Pierce back. If, if, if Newcastle, if Newcastle, let's say, these next 10 weeks, uh, if Newcastle goes 3-7 and seven or 2-8, and eight, I don't think you see Mitchell Pierce come back. Uh, he might play a few games later in the season, but they're not going to rush him back. I think that'll be now more of a 12 to 14 week injury, and they rest him to make sure he's 100% healthy before running him back. Um, and I think that's probably what we're going to get. I think that with the, the with the run of schedule that the Knights have coming up, it is going to be very, very difficult for the Knights to do much. But, so Pierce is out 10, 10 to 12 weeks. Tex Hoy, hamstring, went down this week. Kurt Mann, concussion, went down this week. David Klemmer, knee. Uh, and that looked really bad for Clem. I'm saying they taped him up and... You know, we know David Klemmer is one of, you know, are you smarter than Klemmer? Well, maybe not, but you might not be as tough as Klemmer because David Klemmer strapped that, strapped up that twig and ran back out on the field with it. Never left it. But let's go over the injury ward for Newcastle right now. Kurt Mann, concussion. We won't see him till round six. Jacob, Jacob Safidi, suspension, round six. Edric Lee, still nursing the foot. Still haven't seen Edric Lee yet on the field. Still foot, round six. Tex Hoy, hamstring. And we know it's going to be a pretty serious, maybe not career, or excuse me, season ending, but it's bad enough. Round, uh, we're looking seven or eight for Tex. Phoenix Crossland, who they thought was going to be able to maybe pair with Mitchell uh, in the halves. Knee, round eight. Bailey Hodgson, knee, round nine. Like I said, Mitchell Pierce, Peck, round 14 to 16. Dom Young, knee, indefinite. Here's a big one. And I think I think this young guy, this young gun, is another reason why you don't you haven't seen Newcastle play uh, as well as a lot of people were expecting him to. Bradman Best. Uh, Bradman Best's elbow is still indefinite. We have no idea when we're going to see him. And that is huge because I think he was kind of the future that a lot of people were pointing to. Um, and and heck, he's still definitely the future, but we don't know when that future is going to start back up again. Lachlan Fitzgibbon, shoulder, indefinite. And Jirai Mamosia, Achilles, indefinite. And I probably butchered that last one, but you know what? We're humans, and I know he'll forgive me. But you can't, you can't come over the top of that. You just can't. I'm saying that is... You look at that list... And you wonder how they've been competitive almost this year. And I guess we'll see how competitive they are going to be this because they've got the Titans uh, on FS2, by the way. So this is a game you can watch here in the States without being subscribed to any type of programs or, or any type of plans or anything like that. But that game could turn really ugly. Really ugly. And I think we're going to see Gold Coast. How do we say this? how cutthroat and how how violent they can be this weekend because I think they could really take it to Newcastle. And don't forget, we're still going to be playing rugby league and there's no guarantee that Newcastle is going to come out of this match without even more nicks and niggles. So it looks very, very sketchy. looks very, very frightening for the for the near future for the Newcastle Knights. So, but Knights fans, hold in there. Uh, like I said, we definitely know that it can get a hell of a lot better for you guys, and hopefully that's sooner than later. 
Let's go over the Battle of the Wooden Spoon. And I hate to say this only round, you know, only completing round four now. But I think we all know the battle for the Wooden Spoon this year is going to be between the Sea Eagles and the Bulldogs. And I think the sad part about that is those are the two last two clubs that Desi has coached. The Doggies and the Eagles. I, this is a two-horse race. I'm going to have to say that I still think that the Dogs will finish with the Wooden Spoon this year. Uh, because Tommy Tommy Turbo is coming back. Maybe not this week, but next week. And for some reason, uh, Turbo seems to be the lifeline for success for the Sea Eagles. But Manly, let me ask you let me ask you a question. If one guy is that important to you that every time he goes down, you guys can't win, you might want to look at yourselves in the mirror because something's wrong there. Something's wrong there. Cuz last time I checked, Belly Ake has lost Billy Slater, Cooper Cronk, and Cameron Smith. And what do they continue to do? Win. Win. Win and win. And they're still winning. And now they just got a Ferrari in the lineup with with Ryan Pappenhausen. So, I don't know what to tell you. I think that this is I think that Manly is going to have to spend some money. I think Manly's going to have to look for some players. I know there's some rumors that they're going to really go after Dylan Brown from the Eels, but they're going to have to do something. Uh, because you have to have a dummy half. And a lot of people are really pointing to that. You have to have a dummy half. You have to have a dummy half. And I think Cade Cuss can be a, a really good player in the league. But I don't think you can keep yo-yoing him between him and and Croker. I just I don't I just don't think you can. I think you just play Cade Cuss and go from there. But that's gonna be a real battle. But again, I am tipping the dogs to 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 pick up that big wooden spoon trophy at the end of the season. Now, we were talking about how important halves and the spines are, and I want to go to uh, something that's going on in Redfern that a lot of people don't want to talk about. Last time I checked, so many people have, have talked about it that t- they have over 5,000 signatures to re-sign this player, but it's starting to get testy for the Adam Reynolds contract negotiations, and it's really crazy to say to even say that because this guy is so Redfern bunnies through and through. How do you get to the point with Adam Reynolds that you could leave a bad taste in this kid's mouth and your fan base's mouth by letting him leave? And how it's looking right now, Rabbitohs fans and Shedheads, Adam Reynolds is farther away from being with the with the Bunnies next year than he is being with the Bunnies next year. And that is insane to think about because there are teams that are looking at him. Todd Payton looking strong at him for the Cowboys. Kebby looking strong at him for the Broncos. So don't think that he's not going to get his money. The question is if he's going to get bunny money or not bunny money. Because Adam Reynolds will be getting money. And I know that what they're really concerned about, they're concerned about losing Dylan Walker because they're going to have to sign Dylan Walker. But, I'm just saying, you can't, you can't, you know, what does this mean? Does this mean now that you're going to possibly let Adam Reynolds go and bring Benji Marshall back one more year? You know, we'll, we'll see Benji play again tonight. Uh, he seems like he's got a lot in the tank still, but uh, I think it would be a huge mistake to let Adam Reynolds leave and not just getting that guy on paper for a two-year deal. 
He's not even asking for a three-year, but he would love a three-year, but getting him on paper for a two-year deal. And I think this is not the time to put your foot down and say not going to happen. Because I think what this could do, this could affect the chemistry and that and that locker room for the Bunnies for the rest of the season if you don't get this done. I really do. So it's going to be fascinating to see and fascinating to watch about how the Adam the Adam Reynolds uh, contract saga goes. But I just just letting you shedheads know teams are lining up to try to get their shot at Adam Reynolds. Uh, and Adam Reynolds, I think, knows it. And I think he knows deep down he's playing with house money. I don't think he wants to leave by any by any means. Does he want to leave the Bunnies? But if he wants to get paid, he knows that's going to happen. And then. I think if you haven't heard about this story uh, over the last week, then you really haven't been paying attention because Sam Walker made his club debut for the Roosters this week. Now, Sam Walker looks more like he should be uh, in a boy band, uh, that he should be in a boy band more than he looks like he should be on the rugby field. But I will tell you, that being said, man, that kid, he's cool on the other side of the pillow, isn't he? He, I, you know, I watched his interview after the match. Not too high, not too low. He, 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 he kicked well. He knew when to to charge. He looked like the old boys are behind him. Um, just something really, really special about him. And I know everyone says that, and I know it gets very tired to hear people say he's the next great one. But just in his personality. You have to think that he has the potential to be really, really special. And when you have the type of players like Cooper Cronk and guys who have seen some of the greats say that he, by every means, has that ability, yes, right now he's pretty tiny. And I know you'll see um, I know you'll see them try to put some weight on him and get him in the weight room and, and lifting and putting on maybe 10 or 15 pounds of, of, of muscle on him. Um, but, you know... We've seen players do this. We've seen players bulk up a little bit. Um, we, we just, we've just seen it. We've just seen it. So that being said, I think it's been very, very impressive to see him play, and I think it was very, very impressive to see his style. But it's going to be exciting because you know the Chooks had the Sharks this week, and he's going to get a real test. And I know the Warriors. I know the Warriors have some big boys. They did lose Adam Fanua Blake, and I know that is a huge loss for them uh, this week. But I'm going to tell you something. The Sharks will get dirty with you. And not as a dirty team, but the Sharks will hit you. The Sharks are going to lay on you. The Sharks will wrestle you. And I think they're really going to, how should I say, put Sam Walker to the test this week. And I know I know Morris, Coach Morris, He's gonna he's gonna be he's gonna be aiming for him. He's gonna be gunning for the kid. And why wouldn't he be? I you know, that's the thing I'd do. I would again put all the pressure in the world for him and make him beat you. Um so, but congratulations, to Sam Walker, on a stunning, stunning start to his career. And the last thing I wanna before we leave uh this last week, I definitely want to um really call the light a career that's coming to an end. Uh, I think we've all seen now by now the news that Jake Friend has retired. He's hung up his boots. And I think that's just so sad. I think anytime you see a player retire 
because of injury, because not because he can't perform again, but because he's scared that if he does perform again and gets this type of an injury, that it could affect him for the rest of his life. And this isn't just him walking straight or walking with a limp or not being able to lift his arm all the way up. No, we're talking about um, head trauma and head injury. And they've now apparently reported that he's had 20 concussions in 14 seasons. And let's be honest, those are 20 concussions that we are reporting now. And it's not that the, that the, the NRL and the Super League and, and rugby as a whole and rugby league as a whole haven't cared about their players. But it used to be just saying, ah, he saw stars, mate. He saw stars. He got back up. He's right back in the fight. He's a little crooked. He'll get he'll get straight. He'll get right. He'll get right. But we know now that's not how you have to handle this. Because I think we're starting to see the long-term effects. And we're starting to understand the brain. And for him to be told by Robbo and some of the people that really mean something to him that for his future and for his safety it would probably be best if he retired. And it makes you wonder, what is Boyd Cordner thinking about watching a good friend like his having to retire like this? Because, again, we haven't seen Boyd yet this year. And Boyd has had, you know, problems with the head knock and the concussion as well. But when you think about those 20 concussions he says he's apparently had, are you, are you trying to tell me that he's only had 20 concussions? Because I don't believe that for a second. I think that he's had smaller concussions but if he's had 20 that they that they allegedly say that he's had, I'm saying he's probably had closer to 30 to 35. And not full-blown concussions where he's passed out on the field, but, but head knocks enough that he had to get out of the line a little bit to try to get his head straight. So that is the scariest part about it. And that is, to me, why no matter how sad it is to see this decision that Jake Friend is having to make, for his safety, and you know, he's a father now, and he's got a family to think about. Um, to me, the Roosters will look after him. He will have a part with the Roosters if that's what he wants. I know he's had other businesses outside of of foot of footy, but but again, a sad ending for Jake Friend. But come on, the guy's a champion. He's won he's won titles. He's won championships. Um, so at least he's had that. And I know some players have had to retire before in the past who've never been able to lift those trophies and not you know, seen or felt what it's like to be the best. So at least he's had that. But, but all that being said, uh, congratulations to a great career, even though it is coming up shorter than all of us were hoping. Uh, congratulations to Jake Friend on an incredible career, uh, rugby league career, and especially his career with the Roosters. Now, I want to stay in the, in the rugby league realm but i'm gonna go across the pond so everyone put your oar in the rudder come on let's let's just let's just row across to the super league and the reason we're going across the super league because you know again all the cream is still flowing to the top saint helens wigan dominating again um but i want to talk about josh reynolds and the grub has popped up at hall fc and Josh Reynolds, in his first two matches, has scored three tries for Hull FC. It even looks like he's got more lettuce on top of his head than he's had previously. 
I'm not saying he's got a full weave in there, but Josh Reynolds is looking good. And he's playing again with that abandon, that reckless abandon, and the in a fun, you know, an exuberance that we love to see from Josh Reynolds. He's not playing with weight, thinking if he doesn't play well this week, he's not going to be in the side the next coming week. It, I, I said something. I said when we heard that he was leaving, that this could be the best move for Josh Reynolds, for his mindset, and for his footy that we could possibly get. And... He's over there playing with a coach that knows him well, that came across with, from the Tigers with him, that knows how to get the best out of out of Josh. And I think that Josh Reynolds is going to have a pretty damn incredible season for Hull FC. And I'm excited about that because I think there's nothing more infectious than seeing the grub with that smirk on his face like he just did something that you have no idea about, but definitely you're going to find out about it. So... Congratulations to Josh Reynolds doing that, how should I say, gigantic splash in that pond around the UK. Because Josh Reynolds, ladies and gentlemen, shedheads, boys and girls alike, has arrived in the Super League. Now, I promised you something. I promised you that I have not forgotten about the other footy, the AFL. And I am still gutted. I I am so... I'm almost using bad words right there, but I caught myself. Your Shed Adama still has control. Not full Jedi control, but I have control. And what I'm saying by this is, I think this is going to be a very, very special year in the AFL. And it may push me to have to get my package to start watching it. And I'm really gutted because the two teams that I picked to to play in the grand final this year play Friday, 4.50 a.m., not on any of our broadcasts. But Port Adelaide plays Richmond this week, coming up in about two days at Adelaide Oval. And if you haven't been to Adelaide Oval, you're missing out. Adelaide Oval, to me, is one of the most special stadiums uh, that I've been to. Special place. But here's the crazy thing about this matchup that's coming up this weekend. And that crazy thing is that the Tigers and the Power both got it handed to them by two teams that are really looking dangerous. And that is the Bloods, Shedheads. That's right. Your Sydney Swans minus, excuse me, minus Buddy Franklin. So let's get this straight. The Sydney Swans, without Lance Franklin, thumped Richmond 117-72. to Let me say that again. The Sydney Swans, the Bloods, 117, the Richmond Tigers, 72. And if you listen to Dima talk about it, Damian Hardwick, it wasn't even that close. Damian Hardwick was happy at the end with that scoreline because he thought they were really going to get blown out. That is how good the Swans are playing right now. And I think that, and I'm going to be honest, the competition is so much better when the Sydney Swans are playing good football. Plain and simple. When they're playing good footy, there just seems to be a, a, a different snap and smell in the air. Now, this is a young Swans club, too. And that's what makes it even more exciting. You know, Buddy Franklin is going to be the old man. He's going to be the guy with the cane on that roster. So, I know that that if you're in the Sydney area, or if you're watching games, you're going to go to some games in the SCG this year, be excited. Because it looks like your Swans are here. And they're here to freaking take some people to task. I can't wait for the greater Western Sydney, uh, the, the GWS 
against Swans match this year. You already know the bad blood that's there, but uh, the Swans feel like this is their match this year. I know that. And then the other match was the Power, who looked dominant the first two rounds, kind of like Richmond. But they went out to the West Coast Eagles, and I know they have problems with the Eagles occasionally. But the West Coast Eagles put them down 108-71. to And a lot of people didn't see that happening. A lot of people were still talking about some of the holes that the Eagles had shown, you know, that you know, that they kind of kind of bowed out in the finals round last year and barely made it in. But they have shored that up. And the Eagles look like they're ready to play some good footy as well. Um and and that now gets us to a big matchup for those two teams that I say are my powerhouses and my favorites to win it all, with the power against the Tigers this weekend. Uh the young bucks of, of the power against, you know, a, a tested Richmond club. So that is some exciting stuff. Um, and then we also talk about more young teams. And I, I said this last year during AFL Finals. I said, watch out for the Bulldogs this year. I said, this young club is going to be dangerous next year. Them getting into the finals, getting that extra match against St. Kilda was going to do wonders for them. And letting letting those young guys see what the finals looks like to let them get, how, I, how should I say, calibrated and let them get ready for what they're going to face uh, for this coming season, which they're at right now. The addition of Adam Trelore to that club coming across from Collingwood. This is this Bulldogs club, and I know there's been some a couple of lean years here after Bob retired, Murphy retired, and they won their premiership, but they didn't fire their coach. And again, when you win a premiership, you don't get broken off that easily. But they stayed true to course. And I think that you're gonna, they're going to be rewarded this year because the Bulldogs will be playing some finals football this year. The question is, do they make it into the top four? And if they make it into the top four, I'm not changing my picks yet for who I have playing in the final, but I'm going to have to go buy another bottle of Johnny Walker Blue to be prepared because I might have to drink two glasses for the final this year, if you know what I mean. So that's exciting. So having a Swans club like we talked about, the Bulldogs coming along, the Eagles looking like they're playing well, uh, we are looking set for an exciting, exciting AFL season coming up. Now, that being said, get to the boardroom and sign the deal so we get matches over here in the States. Come on, AFL. Come on, Come on, Fox. Even though I don't know what power Fox has anymore because they're all turned to Bally Sports. So maybe that's the problem. They've all turned to a workout channel. I'm joking, Bally. Welcome welcome to the sports room. Welcome to the sports room. So that concludes my, how should I say, breakdown of everything that is rugby league and Aussie rules football. But we cannot go to outside the bubble until we talk about the guns and my two guns of the week and this is tough because it's easy for me to say that this one gun should be easily my number one but I'm not picking him as my number one damn it is still outside the sheds with Corey Jackson so that means I get final say and my number one gun of the week is Tarek Sims from the St. George Illawarra Dragons charge downs playing with fire and fury and let alone being one of the nicest guys I've ever met before uh, of any of the rugby guys that I've met. Uh, I met Tarek Sims at the 2016 Auckland Nines competition. 
um, which I was on, and, excuse me, which I was on, which I was at, and I will tell you, a guy that looks like he might be a little off-putting, a guy that looks like he might, you know, not say he wouldn't be friendly, but that he would just be a little bit maybe short. Tarek Sims was one of the most friendly, engaging, and open people to somebody who had no idea who I was. And that has stayed with me. And it stayed with me so much, even though he plays for a club I don't really, you know, spend a lot of time paying attention to too much, I always root for Tarek Sims. Always. And to see joy and happiness on Tarek Sims' face after their victory in Newcastle this last week, uh, I tell you something, it made me warm inside. Because I know the passion he has for his club, the passion he has for his play, and I think he's fought really hard to be noticed. Uh, a lot of players didn't. A lot of people didn't know what position he should play. Uh, well, guess what? We know now, and he's showing that he can be a dominant force. So he pretty much single-handedly led by emotion and got two big tries this weekend. But let's go over these numbers. He had two tries, 129 running meters, 30 kicking meters, one line break. Four tackle breaks, and listen to this, 41 tackles against the Knights. And what other way do you show leadership and do you show that you are meant to be there than playing the game that way? Scoring and defense, you're doing them both for your club. So congratulations for being my number one gun this week, Tarek Sims. And then the other guy. And I know I probably could give you guys 30, 30 guesses and you would hit it every single time because it's not it's a no-brainer. The other gun this week is one of my favorite players. I talk about him all the time. Ryan Pappenhausen. The mullet Ferrari with that mustache. Just think how fast Ryan Pappenhausen would be if he didn't have that thing on his upper lip. Just think how fast he'd be then. He probably has to sign a deal to grow that mustache on his upper lip. Otherwise, we probably would, he'd probably break the sound the the sound barrier inside the stadium. So it's probably good he keeps that. So thank you, uh, Pappenhausen, for keeping that 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 little bit of dirt on your upper lip. But Pappenhausen, Pappenhausen, Pappenhausen. I, I might is everyone sitting down? Shedheads, are you sitting down? Because for me to tell you all these stats, I might be here till Friday. 26 points, 5 for 7 on conversions, 4 tries all in the first half, 298 running meters, 92 kicking meters, 2 line breaks, 1 line break assist, 1 one try assist, and 10 tackle breaks. If some guys got that for their entire season... They'd be happy. Pappenhausen did a lot of that in the first half. And they keep talking over and over and over again. Teddy, you better keep playing well. Teddy, you better keep playing well. Because James Tedesco, even though a lot of people say he's still the best player in the game, I guarantee you James Tedesco's looked up at that mirror a couple times looking at that car that's in his rearview mirror that seems like it might be gaining on him a little bit. Because Ryan Pappenhausen, and if you look about the, 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 the little amount of play that he's really truthfully had, 
to be where he's at right now. And again, hats off to, to Billy Slater working with him down there still um, with his game and, and, and being a good friend to him, teaching him the position, teaching him how to carry that weight for your club. They're not going anywhere, and they're only going to get stronger. The Melbourne Storm are a force. And if they can just keep Bellyache there and happy, even though it looks like this is his last season, they're not. They're going to still do a lot of destruction and damage with Munster and Pappenhausen. But those are my two guns. Tarek Simmons, Ryan Pappenhausen, congratulations. The non-check is in the mail. So let's go to outside the bubble. Some some pretty cool stories have broken. Some not cool stories, but I like to I like to go outside the bubble when we do about this and maybe talk about a few things that you're not paying attention to as much. Now I know you're going to say, "Oh, really? I'm not paying attention to to the Final Four in basketball." But I just wanted to go over that really quick. The Baylor Bulldogs are your national champions. They beat Gonzaga, brought the streak to an end, eighty-six to seventy. And the scary thing about the Bears' performance in that game was two minutes into it, you just kind of knew Baylor was going to win it. Their rebounding, their dominance on defense, and then every time they needed a big shot, they drained it. They were the team that were up for it. And, you know, we don't know. We don't know how much that UCLA semifinal for Gonzaga took just the steam out of their legs. But they didn't seem like they had a lot in the tank. And they did not seem like they were on top of their game. But a lot of that probably had something to do with how damn well Baylor was playing. And the Bulldogs, excuse me, and, and, and those Bears, I call them the Bulldogs, those Bears took it to the Bulldogs. And, you know, we'll see. The, the problem is, you know, you know, I was sitting back there thinking that Gonzaga is just going to come back next year and be strong. And I always forget that in college basketball, those guys only have to only have to play one season of college basketball and they can go pro. So I don't know if Suggs is gonna come back next year for Gonzaga. I just had already had him written in that, you know, they've got Suggs next year and they've got the young guy coming from Miller North uh up to Gonzaga. But Suggs might be gone. And some of these guys may be gone. There's talk that Suggs could be a top five pick. And if he's a top five pick, he's gone. And that's why I think, you know, I think if the NCAA would actually st- get their heads out of their uh, cornhole championship, anyway, if they got their heads out of wherever they needed to get their heads out of, they would see if they started playing, paying the players some type of money or something, they could maybe keep them there for two years or three or four. I don't know, but two for sure because if anybody looks at me right now and tries to say that Suggs wouldn't do better with another season being coached by by Coach Mark Few, you're crazy. I think he'd get stronger. He'd get a little bit bigger. He'd learn the game a little bit more. Um, but that's not the world we live in right now. So the kid is probably gone. But congratulations to Baylor. Uh, I know that I think it was uh, Gonzaga by four favored uh, by tip-off. Four or five, one of the two, but but Scott Drew, national championship, the Baylor Bears, national champions, and who would have thought where they came from, you know, 18, 19 years ago, that they'd be hoisting a trophy now. 
Now let's go back to something I talked about a little bit a week or two ago. Something I told you that I'm just a huge fan of. Uh, and that is hockey. And tomorrow, the Frozen Four begins. And we've got two games that are on ESPN2. But the first match is St. Cloud State, the Huskies, against the Minnesota State Mavericks. Their first NCAA appearance, their first Final Four appearance, the Mavs, that match is at 4 p.m. on ESPN2. And then the big one, or it was going to be a big one, but Minnesota Duluth, your two-time defending champions, go up against UMass. And that was going to be a big match until word broke yesterday that from COVID protocol, UMass leading goal scorer and three other players are not able to play in the, the Frozen Four this weekend because of, of COVID tracing. And so you're going to tell me a team that really hasn't got over the top of, of Duluth, your, your two-time champions, defending champions, you're going to thank them to come to the to, to, to play against those guys without even their best sniper? Uh, I think that Minnesota Duluth's, how should I say, their pathway to another championship just got a little bit easier. But if you know hockey, if you like hockey whatsoever, watch the Frozen Four. It is some fun hockey. Uh, these guys are laying it all on the line. They're, 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 they're following through on their checks. Uh, they're fast, they're speedy, um, and, and 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 all of these clubs kind of play a very very fun style of hockey to watch. Um, and I and I I don't know I I'm not going to pick all the games, but I'm going to say that it's tough to say that Minnesota Duluth can't can't raise that trophy again. Uh, and I think that would be pretty special. But it's kind of cool because Minnesota Duluth's coach son plays for Minnesota State. So we have the possibility of having a coach against Sun matchup. And I don't know if that's happened before for the national championship. So there's a lot of side stories that are going on there that are going to make this tournament really, really fun to watch. So make sure you check it out. 4 p.m. and 8 p.m. ESPN2 starts tomorrow. And finally, I told you I was going to talk about the positives in the sporting world right now. Uh, and I want to talk about a, a major negative. And we know how great America's handled COVID. <laughs> anyway, um... But one of the countries that's really close to us, Canada, has handled it pretty well. Uh, they still understand what lockdowns and masks mean, um, which I didn't know you had to be a rocket scientist to understand that. But the the Vancouver Canucks, wow. That, that brush fire that's happened for the Vancouver Canucks, they are having such a bad COVID outbreak right now. 21 of their 25 players on the roster are infected with COVID right now. And 25 people inside that team organization have it, total. 21 of 25. That I don't know if, if they're all sleeping in the same bed together. I don't know what's going on. But those are incredible numbers. And, I, and, 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 and if you look at it, the NHL season is supposed to end early May. And that means that the Canucks are losing two weeks of playing time for sure. If you don't forget, if if you remember what happened to the Devils uh, in January, the good you know how great of hockey they were playing, and they've never been the same team since they came back from their COVID hiatus. But they were almost out for two weeks as well. I I I 
you know, Vancouver was kind of playing some good hockey before this happened, where they were kind of starting to see that eighth place team, that team like a little bit in front of them, where they were going to make a tiny bit of a run and see what they could do. That's over. Even if Vancouver comes back after this two-week hiatus, there's no way they're going to get their their legs back and their lungs back in time to really push against these teams. And I don't, I don't, I really have no idea what the NHL is going to do. But I really did not see that coming, especially for Canada. I I bragged about how Canada had been handling things and how they hadn't had any problems. So I don't know if people were breaking protocol or what's going on. I don't even know if they're doing any type of of uh, detective work if they're trying to find out what what happened to Vancouver but we definitely know something happened to Vancouver because they almost have COVID so that's a very very sad sad story that's coming out right now but um, that being said my family my shed heads that is going to bring this week's outside the sheds to conclusion oh my gosh oh my gosh what did I almost do I almost didn't get you guys paid and I just thought about this Let's go back really quick. Go back and look at your things. I did, I did not give you, I told you all the games. I didn't give you my picks. Because, like I said, we've got the Broncos and the Rabbitohs tonight on Thursday. We're definitely going bunnies on that. Then we've got, starting off on Friday, Sea Eagles and Warriors up at Central Coast. We've got the Warriors. Raiders at the Panthers. Wow. That's our first game on television. That's on Fox Soccer Channel, 5 a.m. start on Friday morning. I'm going Raiders. I'm going Raiders with that. I'm going with Ricky's boys. Then we've got the second game, uh, FS2, Knights at Titans on Saturday. We're going Titans for sure. Storm at Bulldogs on Saturday. Do I really even need to say that? I'm going Storm. Sharks at Roosters. I've got the Sharks. Cowboys at Tigers. Can I say push and not pick that one at all? Can I? No? Okay. Um, I'm going to go with the Tigers. That's how bad this one is. I just don't know. Uh, And then the last match of the round, Dragons at Eels on Sunday. I'm going Dragons. I'm going Dragons. So, that being said, now, you can listen to this again. There are my picks that I almost forgot to give you. Uh, I was so bragging that we were on a, on a streak, and then I almost didn't try to keep my streak alive. But that being said, Shedheads, I've had such an incredible time with you. A lot of energy. I felt good. Look good. Feel good. Well, okay, feeling good then. Um, but that being said... We'll end it with this. Stay out of trouble. Don't get caught. This has been Outside the Sheds. Can't wait to see you this week. Catch some matches. Don't forget the Super League plays during the day as well. We'll start giving you some times and some starts for that so you know. So you can kind of get your double fix of the great games. But until the next time, see ya! And that was another fantastic episode of Outside the Sheds with Corey Jackson talking all things NRL. AFL and all things sports. So please remember to smash the subscribe button and share this with your family and friends and show them what Australian sport is all about.